Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. I'm hoping that we will grow and become stronger and stronger. Amen. And this morning, um, the mess- this message is called Restoring the Gates. And um, I-, I-, I have a friend, um, his name's Kevin, and he's got a business and he goes around um, cleaning upholstery and that type of stuff, carpets and all of that. And he was talking to me one day and he was over at some homes in Edinburgh doing some work. And he said, you wouldn't believe it. He said, these people wanted the, their carpets cleaned. So I was there with all of my gear cleaning their carpets. And I discovered that during the course, because some of them were really threadbare, he says that underneath the carpet was a beautiful marble floor, ornate, beautiful marble floor. He says underneath, not one carpet, but one carpet that had been covered with another carpet that had been covered with another carpet underneath all these carpets was the most beautiful floor underneath. Amen? And sometimes the householder chooses to cover over these beautiful things that are there beneath. Amen? Um, So, you know, it it spoke to me really uh, about us, the church, there's beautiful foundations. There's God's word is powerful. It's beautiful. And yet we come and we cover it with all sorts of different things. And we, you know, and it can become something that we couldn't even interpret it as God's word. But underneath it is the, is, is the treasury. The treasure is underneath all of the other stuff that we have been covering things with. And I thought it was great because, you know, I think about the church. Do you know that the, the, the church is supposed to be the joy of the whole earth? You know, God, we used to sing a song, clothed in glory, arrayed in splendor, great and mighty is he. We're a reflection of God. And so the church is supposed to be arrayed in splendor, clothed in glory, bringing joy to all the world. Bringing joy to all the world, that's our job as a church, is to bring joy to all the <laughs> world. Amen. Yeah. To bring joy to all the world. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm believing for, you know, I, I had another thing in my mind about this week about, I had a vision of an oasis. But oasises are there, and they, uh, they are caused by springs of water from underneath the earth coming to the surface, being forced to the surface. And the oasis is, a, is, is usually you find it in a barren, arid, dry place. And, and so, and I think, you know, the church must be an oasis for people, where people are going to find people that are happy and joyful and maybe a little bit crazy. And all of these things, but in a good way for, the, for Jesus. Amen. And so, you know, we must become the joy of the whole earth. And underneath all of the layers, there's this beauty and treasure in the church. And you're it. You're it. You're it. Amen. And so we've got to be able to walk in our calling to be victorious overcomers and lead the nations as God. God intended for us to lead the nations. 
and be overcomers. He desires to see born-again, spirit-filled Christians, men, of, men and women of God, in positions of influence and authority, amen, to, to bring good f- to their nation, amen. And so, you know, if we would embrace that legacy, Lord, in your image and likeness, clothed in glory, arrayed in splendor, then we could go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 16 and we could say, Lord, thank you for that legacy. Thank you for the victory that you've said that we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. And in Matthew chapter 16, it says that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. And so like, okay, so things are prevailing upon us, but they will not prevail if we recognize them and what we have to do so that the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. Can you go to Psalm 11, please, from verse 1? Psalm 11, verse 1 says, In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow and they make ready their arrow on the string that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. And then it says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Great question. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What a great question. Either we must work to restore the foundations in the same places or build again in another way or in another place. Amen. But no matter what the answer is, we must keep on building. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the foundations of the church, even things like what we believe in the afterlife, after this life, heaven, hell, eternity, all of these things, and, you know, what's going to happen in the end times, all of these things, all of these things are at the moment trying to be dismantled because we believe in God and his word, amen, and that Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's only by his name that we can be saved, amen. And so, We've got, to, we've got to be committed to repairing the foundations that have been attacked, dismantled, torn down, burnt, all of these things. And our commitment to repairing the foundations is going to be determined by how much we allow God to work in our lives and in our hearts. All right? So, sometimes... People look upon the church and upon Christians as being slightly or very naive, really not operating out of a place of logic. You know, you are just so dogmatic. This is all you believe in and all of this kind of thing. But thank God, I'm just going to stay with that. I'm I'm going to stay with that. You can call me naive if you like, but I'm going to stay with that. Amen. I'm not changing course now at 50 odd something few years years old. I'm not. I'm. That's where I'm staying, is with God and with His Word. Amen. And but they try. Do you notice it says in that psalm they they shoot you secretly. Things are going on in secret. Things are going on 
in the background. They don't want to show their hand. They don't want to be open. They aim for the righteous secretly. Amen? You, wouldn't, you would probably be astonished if you knew how many days and hours people spend trying to silence Christianity, actively silence Christianity, and keep all of us distracted by all the stuff that's going on, and dismantle our churches and our constitutions, our institutions, amen? You know, there's a a group that uses the the hall on a Monday night, the Aberlure Trust. That, that, That orphanage work began with a, with, a, with a man of God and a church. So, so much was, was began with a man or a woman of God and the church. Amen? And so, we really have got to seek God's wisdom more than ever before and be the foundation builders. And there's another prophetic word in Psalms. If you go to Psalm 24 from verse 7 to 10, it says, "'Lift up your heads, O you gates.'" Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? Who is he? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord who's mighty in battle. So lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. He will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen? So if we lift up the ancient doors, the gates, the king of glory is going to come marching in. Strong, with might, amen? And so I'll explain a bit more just now about the gates and the doors. But I want to ask you a question, and I always have asked myself the same question. Do you want to see your local church or the church become the express desire of God's heart. Like, this is so much God. If God spoke to us right now, you would say, I'm pouring my heart out to you, Bridge Church. This is what I intensely desire you to be. This is what I want you to look like. Do we want to see that desire that he has be fulfilled? Do we want to see heart? You know, you say, we often hear, take heart take heart. Do we want to see heart return? Life, passion, zeal restored to the wider church? Because I know that that, that people in this church have heart, big hearts. Amen. You know, in Psalm 79, in, in, in verse one, it says, God, the nations have come into your inheritance. This is not in a good way. It says, the nations have come into your inheritance. And they've defiled your holy temple, and they have laid Jerusalem in heaps, like heaps of rubbish. The nations have come into your inheritance. It's like they just breezed right on in. We're going to do whatever we want to, trample over this, this work, this institution, what you've you've founded. Do you know, God's people have always been surrounded by enemies that hate them always. And they hate not only God's people, but God's dwelling place. They hate anything that is sanctuary or sanctified. And they were set, the nations were set on desecrating everything that God stood for. 
And they would look for every opening possible to gain entry to do that. Amen. If you have a city without walls, amen, it'll perish. It'll fall. If you have a city whose gates don't function, it'll be open to whatever threat or peril comes close by. Amen. So I believe today that God is calling us all here to fortify and to restore the church, to be a body of believers that won't stand for the invasion of God's inheritance. You have an inheritance. Amen. You have an inheritance. A church that won't open its doors to the ungodly influences that are out there. Amen. Because we were called to prevail against the gates of hell. Amen. So the things that befell, if you go reading Chronicles, the things that happened to Israel in the days of Chronicles are happening right now. Apostasy, which is basically means the turning away. Spiritual indifference. And that led to Jerusalem's destruction. Amen. But we can rise up. We've got a good foundation. We may need to attend to other areas of the foundation. We've, we can always do more. But we can restore the character of the church. Just like Nehemiah, just like Ezra, Zerubbabel, all of these men who said, no, we're not going to stand back. We're going to restore this. Amen. And it's, it's done in God's appointed time because people are looking for refuge within the walls. So people are going to be looking for shelter. They're going to be looking for refuge. And we say, yeah, we know that the church isn't bricks and mortar. It's us. But people will find refuge with us. But also, Jerusalem was a, was a stone-walled city. People will, will need refuge. Amen? Amen? Because God is good. He says, I'm going to look after you, so come here and freeze to death. You know, no, he's going to be good, isn't he? He's going, to, he's, going to, he's going to look after you so that you are warm, so that you are fed, so that you're clothed. Amen. So Nehemiah and a lot of the guys, because we've been through this in men's ministry over many years, we know the story of Nehemiah really well, don't we? So, but he's going to rebuild and restore what were once the walls. They're, they're now just rubble, heaps of rubble. And the thing is, he's like, I'm not just doing this half-heartedly. I'm super serious about this. And in fact, the Bible says that the people that rose up with him had a mind to work. They were also totally, totally serious and focused. And I want to show you a wee image just now up on the screen. If you can put that up, guys. That, there we go. Can you see that? It's a map of the city of Jerusalem in ancient times. And you see all the walls there. You see all the gates going around it. The sheep gate at the top and then the fish gate, the old gate, the valley gate, the refuse gate, the fountain gate, the water gate, the horse gate, the east gate, the inspection gate. It's a lot of gates. Ten. Ten gates. Ten gates. Okay? If you read in Nehemiah chapter 3, you'll see there that the story begins as to the different leaders and their families and the people that come and begin to rebuild 
the walls and the gates at different places around the perimeter of the city. Amen? And did you know it goes in a counterclockwise direction? In Nehemiah, they start at the sheep gate, they go to the fish gate, and they go all the way around. And so they don't jump across the city to random gates. Everything is laid out in order in Nehemiah 3. Amen? Counterclockwise. All of the gates had, with their walls in between, needed to be rebuilt. Amen? There was no, so that there were no gaps. Of course, it's not long before the opponents of the people recognize, oh, what's going on here? Some, some people have shown up, and they're starting to rebuild the walls. Amen? So they are going to attack now. But the, the Bible says that not only were they going to attack, but they were also going to create confusion. So the, ma the mandate was, yeah, attack them. Try, try and attack them and destroy them, but also create confusion, as much confusion as you can. And that's quite significant because that's a weapon the enemy will use extensively against the church. Confusion. Confusion. But right there in Nehemiah, it says there, right after that, nevertheless, don't we love the word nevertheless? Nevertheless, they prayed and set a watch against their enemies day and night. Wow, here's just in like one chapter, we've got all of this strategy just coming, pouring out. Okay, don't get confused. Pray and set a watch day and night. Watch what's going on. Amen. We can take heed of that today. But the first gate that's mentioned is the sheep gate. And I believe that that's not mentioned by accident because it's the most important gate. All right? The, I, if, you look at, if you look at it um, priority-wise, the way Nehemiah sets it out, and if you look at what these gates meant and what their purposes and, were, they, they start off with the sheep gate. And if you read John 10 from verse 7 to 9, it says, Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't hear them. But I'm the door. And if anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. But the thief does not come to except to steal kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly because I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But the hireling who is not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he see, sees a wolf coming. He leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and he doesn't care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. Amen. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Amen. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, but I must bring them too, and they must hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. When this gate, the sheep gate, is restored, it's beginning to fulfill God's divine plan for the church, the care and the safety of the sheep. Coming in, going out, being looked after, 
coming into a place of safety, coming into a place of re refuge. And I don't know if this is true. Maybe some of the scholars of the word in this place can tell me a bit more about this. But I believe that one of the main priorities of the city of Jerusalem was for the sheep, was for caring for sheep, sheep giving birth to sheep and, and livestock and that type of stuff. Amen? So go to Psalm 100 from verse 1, and it says... Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands, and serve him with gladness. Come before his presence with singing, and know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. Because we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Where do you find courts? Through a, through a gateway, through an entrance, in, be inside the, the perimeter walls of a city or a building. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for he is good and his mercy is everlasting. Amen? We all must, you know, thinking about this, we must remember that God's heart is to provide for the sheep. He illustrates that throughout the word. He's the good, great shepherd, and he provides for and protects those under his watch. Amen. In Matthew 9, 35, Jesus looks out over Jerusalem, and what does he say? He was moved with compassion for the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So from that moment on, we know that God is dealing with us like sheep. All right, and we still use that metaphorically today, amen? But you'll see in the book of Nehemiah that the restoring of the gates, oh, they're gone, the gates are gone. Well, you know, you remember the image. The restoring of the gates and the walls was undertaken by a collective of people, families, amen? Heads of families, families, tribes got into certain sections to rebuild, amen? And so I've got to put this, this pre, I've got to put this um, statement in here this morning because I know and, and we do not take lightly the fact that God called us to shepherd, amen? So we know all about that, the responsibility of that and what, it, what that involves. But I want, to, I want to suggest to you today that the church needs under shepherds and other shepherds, and it needs people to look after the sheep. So I wanted to emphasize how important it is today that all of us be aware of that. Amen? All of us be aware. Because that we might have a lot of activities as a church. We've got an outreach on Friday night. But the priority of the church is to beget sheep and to care for the sheep. That's the priority of the church beget sheep and care for the sheep. Amen. And the sheep are those people that have been entrusted to us by God. Amen. And so I believe that there will be people that are going to be really burdened with the call to step up, to be a part of this specific work, to fortify the sheep gate, to, to, to lift that gate up again so that sheep are, are going to come in and out of there and be looked after. They're going to shepherd the fold. And there'll be people that, are be, that will be willing to be trained up as under shepherds who will be courageous. And when predators come, 
they're not going, going anywhere. They're going, to, they're going to fend off those predators for, for the sheep. That's part of the job of a past pastorally. That's part of the job of a shepherd anyway, isn't it? And so Paul in Acts writes to the believers of his day, and he says, listen, and whenever you see the word admonished, you know that it's like, listen up here, guys. This is really important. I'm giving you an admonition here. You've been, some of you, he was particularly writing to the elders, some of you have been made overseers over the flock, over the sheep. Make sure you do it with the utmost diligence and the utmost, you take it, take it seriously because it's so important, amen? And so he says in Acts, Acts 20 that the Holy Spirit made them overseers to shepherd the church of God, which was purchased with his own blood. Because he knew that when he left, he says, savage wolves would come in and not spare the flock. And people, listen, this is a strong one. People from among yourselves would rise up and speak perverse things and draw disciples away after them. Amen. And so we have this, I believe this, just as Nehemiah and all of these families, they came collectively together to lift up those gates, restore those gates, rebuild those gates and walls. We come together collectively to do the same thing. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. And I want to finish this message this morning in Matthew 25. Have any of you heard the story of the sheeps and the goats before? So the Bible talks about that, okay? Now, and I'm not calling anyone a goat, all right? I've probably been called an old goat plenty of times, but... I'm not so, but the Bible differentiates between sheep and goats, and so, and we know from obviously because sheep and they they are such animals, aren't they? They're like wow, sheep. It's like they're they're a they're a shepherd's, you know. No, we're not going to say that word, but yeah. So let's go to Matthew 25, from verse 30. Let me see, 32, no, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he'll separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he'll set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats he'll put on his left then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom that is prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me and I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison and come to you? Amen. So they're asking him, but when did we do these things? When? Tell it, when did we do these things? And the king will answer and say, assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, 
you did it to me. Because you looked after one of these sheep, you did it unto me. What you did for her and for, or for him, you did it as unto me. Amen? But, but he will say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It was not prepared for you. It was prepared for Satan and the, his cohorts. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you didn't take me in. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you didn't come to me. You didn't come and visit with me. They will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Amen. You know, this, if, if, if I interpret that, it's addressing those that believe in God, but they've forgotten the importance of caring for each other. They forgot the importance of being there for one another. And last week we spoke about being constrained by love, held together by love. I think throughout these last five weeks, we've been saying, draw close in unity. Bear with one another. Bear one another's burdens. Be all of these things that we're talking about. He says, you believe, but you've neglected the importance of caring for others. And as believers, as foundation Builders, you know that when they were building the, the, these and restoring the walls, they had one eye on protecting their families and one eye on the work. So they were like ready to have battle. So they were, they were, they were ready, ready, ready. They were vigilant, amen. Sheep are attentive to the needs of others, but the goats were self-serving. They were just concerned with how they would be comfortable themselves. So I'm believing that shepherd-hearted men and women will be raised up who will shepherd people with skill and integrity. And uh, I want to encourage you that, you know, he's the great shepherd. We've answered a call to shepherd, but there are other shepherds here. And so we are looking, we're looking at things growing and becoming stronger and, and raising up the sheep gate, amen? And so there's other gates there, and I'm not going to go into all the gates in the coming weeks. You might be glad to know that. But the fish gate is a really important one um, because it kind of goes hand in hand with the sheep gate in that, do you know what? You don't go outside with a net and the fish just jump into the net. Okay, you have to, there's a lot more to it than that. But she, Sheep beget sheep, and it's our job as the church to keep on begetting sheep. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com, and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.